Magic is in the programming. Is that what it says out there? What's that nice sign you got? The fun is in the community. The... Come on, man. It's right out there in the gym. The magic is in the movements. <laughs> it is in the movements. The science is in the programming. I don't think it's science, bro. No. The art is in the programming. The, the art. Science the art, baby. We're a bunch of explanations. We're four artists there. The Mastermind. Welcome back, episode 28. Brett, you ready to do this thing? Let's get it, baby. Hey, so this uh, this week I was reminded of a quote uh, that I saw. Um, the magic's in the movement, the art's in the programming, the science is in the explanation, and the fun is in the community. It's a real common CrossFit saying about everything that encompasses our program. And so as we got to talking, I said, why don't we explain what uh, our program is and why we created it the way that we do? Because Although, you know, you walk into certain CrossFit gyms, they have, they smell the same, they look the same, they are completely different when you look into the back end of the training. Yeah, uh, we got a whole nice process, a system uh, set in place for our gym that uh, we do, we follow week to week um, in regards to programming. And I mean, there's just multiple, multiple components that, um, that we really put into this. And uh, I think it's awesome to kind of give our listeners, you know, uh, the background on it. Well, one of the things that we said that at the core, the majority of our classes are run as CrossFit, as pure CrossFit, when we start the basis of the programming. So we'll use constantly varied functional movement executed and performed at high intensity. That we want to be the essence of most of uh, the intensity levels for the training right yeah that's exactly what crossfit is so we can't get away from that for sure but one of the things we talk about is how we add spice to the programming yeah you have to um it keeps people uh you know entertained so to speak right if you come in you do the same thing over and over again uh you know you you get bored of it so plus we need a, a differentiator you like that right i like that big word um you know from us compared to other crossfit gyms you know and uh we had a drop in one time on, on a class that I was doing and uh, they said, you guys bench press? I'm like, yeah, we, we, we bench press here. You know, uh, we, we see the, the benefits that, you know, can transfer into, you know, overhead pressing that is from the bench press. And I think you appreciate that. That's my background. You know, I, we came out of personal training, not CrossFit. I think a lot of these new guys are CrossFit only, right? And so they're purist in that sense where we like to, you know, uh, play around with other stuff as well. So, I mean, CrossFit, I mean, really, essentially, they're cycling through 30 different exercises, but we spice that up with accessory work. We spice that up uh, with uh, different movements that we're familiar with pre-CrossFit. And that really just gives us an advantage to helping our members. Yeah, I mean, who doesn't love a, a nice pump, right? A little pump, a little, a little body, chest and try. little bodybuilding pump, man. We got uh, a little chest and try today. Yeah, yeah well, I'll never lo uh, lose that, the... The desire to do that so well and i think people take for granted that that you need to mix high intensity with low intensity and that bodybuilding pump is the best way to do that mm -hmm. and it transfers i mean it, it will definitely give great benefits to you know the intensity and the more functional one of the the things that we add on top of our layer on top of our program is something we call 
skill of the week. This is really something unique to something that we created. And what we found, Brett, was that you obviously know that this is our spiel that we give to new members when we both introduce them to our program is that there were four main common skills that most people on average were not good at when they came here or and are not good at as they advance. It takes them a really long time to develop. Some of these we already know. One of them is Olympic lifting. If you didn't have uh, the uh, the pleasure or excuse me had the the training in high school to do some of these lifts then you're already at a huge disadvantage to people like us who are already were doing this so olympic lifting is one of the skills of the week that we add and then another one we got is running running week right running is a skill uh people don't think about that until you know you're running consistently and then your, your knee starts to hurt or something like that because you're obviously doing it the wrong way um, but you can, you know, teach yourself how to be a good runner, develop that skill of running. And, uh, and it's something that not a lot of people want to do. That's why we make a whole week dedicated to it, because chances are if we weren't running as a gym, nobody would be running on their own. Yeah, if it was sprinkled in once a week on that day, they could choose not to show up. They can go two or three weeks without running, and they're wondering why their endurance is not improving. So we, we force that on them by adding intervals, by getting creative with our intervals and our, our uh, split training or fart legs, whatever, uh, fart legs, whatever we want to do to add into the running week. Um, so we got four total. The first two we got running and Olympic lifting. What's number three? Number three is inversions, right? Uh, if you were a little kid, you remember going upside down in gymnastics and having fun with that. But I know people that come here uh, for, and haven't done any type of inversion, getting themselves upside down 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Yeah, yeah, it scares the shit out of them. Scares them. So we want to place an emphasis uh, in the beginning of class for the first 15 minutes. And again, the skill is skill. We use it as skill acquisition, but also as part of the warm up as well. So it, it really uh, helps us in many different ways. And our goal there is to get them upside down, right? It's not kicking them or getting a 60 year old to try to walk on their hands. That's not what we're trying to do is can we get them inverted and teach them the proper progressions through that and we get very creative right because there's uh there's six days a week that we have to program in inversions and so we want to we, we never want to give the same movement every single day yeah and then you know uh you have to de develop some strength to even hold yourself upside down so you know even though it's inversion week we do a good job at trying to increase our pressing strength to have the strength to support yourself upside down on top of your hands. A hundred percent, and it's transferable. So we, we need we need that to, to, to get better over time because they struggle through that. Yeah, we made that switch though. I remember when we f I first got here, it was pushing strength week. Yep. And then we changed that into inversion work, um, inversion week just because we saw you know, we need a little bit more time with that. A bigger need, yeah. Mm -hmm. It was just taking longer to develop, so we wanted to put more energy into that. And so the last one, pulling strength, pulling strength, having the ability to pull uh, your body weight. Um, you know, there's a lot of people out there in the, the fitness game that cannot do a real pull up. They just can't. And, and I think in this industry, uh, what happens is that they go to some of the go to modifications like bands or jumping pull ups and they use that all the time. But what we recognize is that was a band-aid to the real issue and that was that really wasn't getting them stronger and so we created one band rule policies to ensure that people weren't using more than one band that we had uh, a logical progression that we told all the coaches to follow 
right? So it wasn't like, well, Brett told me to do this or I told him to do that. Like we all agreed that this progression was the most proper for modifying movements or you progressing them through upper body pulling exercises. But I think the other thing that we've tried to be honest with people is that like, there is a strength to body weight ratio. Like that is a such thing. Like mm-hmm. you can't be a lady that walks in here at 300 pounds and do a pull up. And do a pull up because there is a major gap between your strength and body weight. And so we have to get your strength up and get your weight down. That's it, that's the name of the game there. It's not a coincidence why leaner women get pull-ups faster because mm-hmm. their strength to body weight ratio is more appropriate. So Yeah, you can't be at a, a high body fat percentage and be successful in, in CrossFit. I had a, actually had a buddy who uh, hit me up yesterday on Instagram. He actually made a joke. He's got a, a 350 front squat, but he can't do a pull-up. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I swear awesome. to God, true story, man. That's awesome, true, man. True story. But uh, why? Just because he's a little bit heavier, right. right? He's a little heavier. I mean, you know, uh, so yeah, like like exactly like you said, you know, you can't be heavier and bigger and, you know, move well with the gymnastic movements. Yeah, it's just not possible. Um, How did you come up with the, the four skill, the skill of the week idea? Well, I just, the frustration was that, you know, exactly what I mentioned earlier that if the only time we get to practice the pull-up is the day that week the pull-up happens, mm-hmm. they are never, ever going to progress fast enough, right? Because they will either not be able to show up that day the following week that it shows up, or they continue to ignore that workout with the pull-ups because they know they're never gonna get better at it because they're not putting enough practice into it. And so I needed a more creative way to kill two birds with one stone, and that was practice a movement, but still make everyone happy with workouts. Because if all, like, if, if every day became a skill day, then no one would ever show up because yeah. there's no intensity, there's no challenging of, they, they don't ever feel like they're progressing because they're always doing everything they suck at. Mm-hmm. And so we it was a great hybrid of, of both things. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to skip a day, but you're not gonna take off a full week. Exactly, yeah. and it forces them to practice it no matter what. You're not gonna skip a week because it's running week because you're gonna lose out on those seven days. So you suck it up and do it. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, listen, I tell this as a joke, but I really mean it, is that people don't pay us to give them what they, uh, to make them feel happy. What they're good at. Yeah, to do all they pay us good. to give them what they need. That's the whole point because if they knew, if they could do what they needed, then they don't need us, mm-hmm. right? And so, oh, when someone says, I hate that, I'm like, bam, that's the thing they need. Yep. Like that's my favorite word that comes out of a client's mouth because they already state to me what they lack the most. Mm-hmm. And my belief is, you know, people say work on your strengths, you work on your weaknesses, how do you elevate yourself? I say, why not both? Why not keep your strengths your strengths and elevate your weaknesses because you close the gap. Mm-hmm. You close the gap when you do that. If all you do is just work on your strengths, you're creating a major gap between your strengths and your weaknesses. But if you just work on your weaknesses, you never get to elevate the thing that you're best at, right? Because it's just, it's really good without having to work at. And so we want to close the gap by raising them both. That's a great takeaway right there. Closing the gap. Cool, man. So, uh, let me see. I'm just reading through our list here. The other one we have is three-tier tracking. You want to kind of explain that a little bit? Yeah. So when we go over the workout briefing, uh, the coach will go up to the board and say, hey, you know, we'll go through the workout from, you know, the skill piece, which is pertaining to what we just talked about, the skill of the week. Then we'll go over the conditioning piece. And um, based on our workout that that coach programmed, we have a desired stimulus in play, right? And then the the three-tier tracking kind of guides our members into giving them that idea on, hey, this is how it's supposed to feel, this is where you should be at. 
So we have a health, fitness, and performance tier. Performance is you know a small number of our gym, but there is some you know some studs, some beasts, right? So the performance tier, chances are, will have the heaviest weight, and um, you know we will design that workout to have the most complex movements, the most complex movements, and you know the intensity to them, right? Yeah. We can't have a uh, stud athlete come in here and do you know a master's weight or something like that, right? Um, the fitness tier is that middle of the pack. You know, that's the majority of our membership. Hey, uh, this is where you should be at, and this is the recommended loads for that. And then the health tier, which is, you know, some uh, of the newbies, some of the people that are a little bit more overweight, um, that there's a little bit more scalable options for them to come in and do that workout alongside everybody else, but still enjoy the experience and not feel uncomfortable because we'll never ask any new member to do something they're not capable of doing. That's a great explanation, bro. Yeah, and so it's a bell-shaped curve. The majority are falling under fitness. The other reason we created this is it helped put the, the coach and athlete on the same page, right? That way we weren't too off when making recommendations, but also too is the track of their journey, right? Especially for people that that had a current capacity that lost it by getting out of shape is that we're gonna start in health and we're gonna master that and we're gonna slowly build into fitness. And then if you are the creme de la creme, you'll find yourself in fitness eventually. And so it's helped us kind of control uh, people's patience and ego through the process. Yeah, uh, I mean, you just said ego, you know, it. if we, uh, you know, change what an athlete has on the bar or whatever, uh, it's easier for us to go to that board and it's not as personal right it's not as personal say hey this is what we thought how this should go let's stick to that and it'll get closer closer to that uh, desired stimulus yeah because sometimes the athletes don't understand why the weight is that weight or the rep scheme is that like why not add 10 if it's five why not add if it's a deadlift at 225 why not go 275 well the goal is the intention is and that's why it's developed that way versus them feeling like they're being offended because you're telling them to go lighter or uh, something of that nature so it's really helped control the conversation and build a lot of trust to be like at the end of the workout what did i tell you right mm -hmm. i told you so right that was exactly how it was supposed to be performed yeah this was my game plan for the class and if you would have executed that movement at a heavier weight or even a lighter weight you wouldn't have got that desired stimulus 100 percent. now last part about the programming part is the in-house programming which means this is probably the most trendiest thing right now in the crossfit industry and that's that gym gyms are hiring other gyms to do their programming outsourcing they're outsourcing it and from an outsourcing perspective it's ingenious they take a lot of the workload off of them by paying a minimal fee to get general programming for the entire week unfortunately i think it creates a huge disservice for the most important part about our credibility which is people sign up for us because they believe that we can give them what's best for them because of our skill. You can't say, hey, I'm very skilled, I'm really good at what I do, but I have to hire this service out because I'm not that good at it. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong, do I believe there are a hundred other programmers that are better than me? Sure, but how can you sell credibility? How do I not get better if I don't start to do this myself, right? And I think it loses a lot of credibility with the people that step on the outside in and are like, wait, you don't do the programming for us? I think if a lot of gym members knew that, they would be highly offended. I think they'd be highly offended if, if they knew that was happening in their gym. Yeah, uh, it takes the personality of 
of you know the gym uh, if we're not doing our own programming. You know, it's a very fulfilling moment when you see a workout completed at the end of the class and everyone's you know laying down on the floor, gasping for air, and you're like, yeah, I programmed that. That's exactly how I wanted it to go. You know, and or someone hit a PR on you know something you program. It's just like you know you got more skin in the game when you're drawing up these workouts. Yeah, there's, you know, these, the cookie cutter programs, I call them, they just, they don't take that personal level, right? Because they don't know my members. How do they program it this way? I got to end up changing it anyways, because it's not going to work with the logistics of my gym. Then you might as well do it your own. Now there has to be checks and balances. And that's what a lot of these people that are hiring out, they never had checks and balances in their own programming. So they just realized that they were never going to get better at it. Our checks and balances is that we have four separate coaches looking and offering input into our programming seven days prior. So we take a seven day cycle and we uh, we all look at that and we all have a responsibility for a certain day and to be able to make sure the overall picture makes sense. And we're constantly giving feedback for things that can work or, or that won't work according to what we've done in the past or what that stimulus is supposed to be or this idea in mind where like their programming set for a 20 minute cap but the volume's too high and then we look at it and say hey that volume's not going to work but because we have other perspectives looking in at the programming that really gives us a checks and balance that these other gyms don't have yeah we got the perfect blend of not only programming um the days that we are coaching but programming the days another coach is coaching Right. Ooh, that's really good. So, uh, you know, there's some days, hey, you know, where we do a great job at emailing back and forth, which we can get, in, uh, get into next on the WA tips. But, uh, hey, uh, hey, coaches, this is what I got programmed for Saturday. This is how I want it to look. We'll do a little video demo on YouTube. Uh, any questions, hit me up. Right. So, uh, it, you know, it's forcing uh, other coaches that maybe haven't, you know, coached a movement like that to kind of keep on their toes and brush up on their games. Um, about coaching uh, another coach's you know, programming for that day. Yeah, we all take pride in it, and mm -hmm. that's really important, versus the gym owner who's so stressed out that he left programming to the last thing, and then all of a sudden he's just putting out some copy and paste workout he found online. That is terrible. Mm -hmm. And again, if members found out people were doing that, they'd be highly offended. The other thing that I didn't write here, I just wrote here at the end that I forgot to explain, is that one of the most uh, one of the things that happened early in the CrossFit community is the gym started to replicate what CrossFit.com was doing. They still do it today. And that's CrossFit.com posts 21 workout out 24 hours in advance or the night before. And so that became a culture that I even did that when I first started. I would only give my members one workout the night before at 6 p.m. At 6 p.m., go to the blog, you can see the next workout. But I realized that was the worst thing to do for my members because I wasn't allowing them to... Uh, to plan in advance or to extend themselves for doing other things outside of my facility because when you only know one day at a time how can you plan for a week out two weeks out mm -hmm. when you are a triathlon or when you are a triathlete when you're a cyclist when, when you've you're got a runner, other goals yep. when you like to go bodybuilding you can't do that mm -hmm. and so what i learned is i was doing them a disservice because i was saying hey go try and play new sports go do other things but the ignorance of that is i was only giving them work one workout at a time so one of the things that we do is that every sunday we private 
privately email our members the workouts for seven days in advance for the following week. So there's no excuses. Like, are people gonna cherry pick? Sure, they're gonna cherry pick no matter what, whether you give it to them at 6 p.m. on a Sunday or you give them to 6 p.m. the night before. So that's a culture thing and we fix that a different way, but you have to give them those workouts well in advance if you want them to create the lifestyle that you know they need to get the results they that 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 they want. Yeah, and I think it's giving them value, you know. The, uh, they're excited to kind of scroll down and see what's coming up on that week, you know. You're you're giving them that sense of like, oh, "Okay, it's going to be a good week." You know, I'm I'm excited to get back to work Monday and, you know, knowing what I got ahead of me. So, uh, it's a great way to kind of give that little bit of extra value on top of, you know, other services we offer. You mentioned the wad tips. You kind of want to uh, explain how we do that and why it works so well. Yeah. Uh, so what the wad tips are is, you know, um, us coaches emailing each other back and forth on how the early classes went, right? Um, from you know the early early class 5:30 to the mid morning class uh, 9:30. That will be another coach. Uh, you know, we kind of give our insights. Hey, this is how it went. This is what I saw. This is what to look for. This is how much time you want to spend here just to make sure the experience of the class, that hour-long class, runs smooth from start to finish and uh, everything's right on point and it's a, it's, a, it's a good system we got. Yeah, the epiphany when we created the WAD tips was that uh, the coach's last class is always better than the first. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't want that to keep happening every single time because we were using our members as guinea pigs to fight to having the perfect class. And so why not take those issues out with the afternoon classes by having a coach who's already went through the experience to give you where the hiccups might be, where things you're going to have issues with, where time is going to be a constraint, where logistics don't make sense. And so uh, and that's why I think there's a huge advantage to sending out those wad tips. And even before now, we started, we came up with a better idea, which is sometimes with some of these spices that we throw in, new movements we haven't done or we haven't even heard of before that we expect our coaches to coach, we send pre-wad tips, mm -hmm. meaning, hey, this is a new movement this week. Here's a link to the video for some better, uh, for some better explanation of it. Let me know if you have any questions, right? So that goes back into not, we don't want our coaches to look like idiots, right? And we want them to be able to de deliver the best value possible and the wad tips and the pre-wad tips are the best way to do that yeah and then a lot of our members they sometimes want something to work towards right uh how the early class do or what was the top score or you know how many rounds you know was the average or something like that so you know we're one step ahead of the game to answer our members questions they got on how this workout should go or something they should uh shoot for in terms of performance hundred percent and it's been great for us and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that we do that same cool so two other things that are really unique about our programming is we program something called a long day and we program something called a makeup day so really we created a hybrid of the CrossFit five-day cycle if you've never heard of that you can google it and they provide a free template for that where they tell you certain days are gonna fall under monostructural or single modality and other days are couplets and other days are triplets and other days you decide are AMRAPs and others are for time. And so we created a hybrid of that, but we also added uh, a long day and a makeup day. You want to explain one of those? Yeah. Uh, first off, it's another uh, form of variation. You know, that, that's the first thing. The definition of CrossFit, right, is constantly varied. So uh, we, us throwing in those two days is uh, varying our program even more than the next CrossFit gym. But um, yeah, so we set up a, a long day. I'll kind of speak on that first, which is, uh, you know, the workout, the conditioning piece is at least 25 minutes or longer, right? We're trying to get that 
um, stimulus to where it's like, hey, you're in the trenches, you know, 10, 15 minutes in, and, you know, um, we want to prepare our members to be ready for a workout like that, right? So we'll, we'll program that a long day, a long um, conditioning piece specifically. And then the makeup day is uh, something that could be anything from something you saw lacking the week before, or hey, you know, you're looking at the other coaches programming and hey, we haven't done this in a while, let's get that back in. You know, any type of weaknesses you see, um, you know, that, that makeup day, I love programming that because chances are you're gonna do uh, stuff that the members absolutely hate, which you made, mm. you know, your point earlier, it's stuff that needs to be done, Damn. right? And sometimes, you know, if that coach is set to program on a weightlifting day or monostructural day, but uh, it gives them the freedom on a makeup day, like, hey, I've been wanting to program this. I've noticed the weakness in our members here, so let's do it for the makeup day. Yeah, you know, listen, our um, program is varied, but it's varied within context, right? It's still varied within this box. And so that makeup day allows us to step outside of that box to the traditional norm. Sometimes it felt like a, a, a traditional bodybuilding split that day. Mm -hmm. Other days it was the you know the biggest chipper of the week. You just don't know uh, because we look at the cycle the last two three weeks of what was going on and what's missing, right? And so that allows us to really that's a real creative day for all of us. So I really enjoy that one. And the long days was one of those things. I think it appeals to members, mm -hmm. but two, it was a gap that we knew that people just were really struggling past those longer domains. And so we wanted to push something a little bit longer that people wouldn't normally see. And so when they see long day, they know that they're in for it. That yeah, week. it's going to be a little bit more uncomfortable than, than normal. And that long day always changes. It's one day after the following week. So if it falls on a Wednesday this week, it's Thursday next week, it's a Friday the following week after that. And that way everyone's still getting that. Because if you only come Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and if we only left it to Tuesday, then you would never get a long week. So we're very, very creative with how we expose them to long days and makeup days uh, let me see what I'm missing the, I think the uh, the other one that I want to explain is the elephant in the room with uh, when it comes to class sizes one of the most unpopular things that I did over three years ago is I moved our gym to a reservation private gym only that you could not attend a class any of my classes unless you were reserved and for some of the older members they struggled through that because they had the convenience of coming and going uh, but they didn't realize what the ramifications of were that and that was we could get a class of four members and in the following class get a, a class of 25 and what had to happen is that not only not only did you suffer safety issues you you suffered consistency of quality because you can't be consistent when you don't know you can't fix the number of people coming in to control that class size my my analogy is that there's a reason that in the state of Florida public schools mandate a a specific student to teacher ratio it's a mandate it's a law that schools are not allowed to have a certain amount of students per teacher why because they recognize what I saw and that there's a diminishing return after a certain number now every number is different we can argue 12 to 15 or uh, 15 to 16 mm -hmm. uh, that's one thing but we can clearly state that having 10 people is much better from a coaching perspective than having 
30 people. There's no argument because you can see more things happening. You can spend more time with people. There's uh, there's more, it's more space. Personal. It's more personal. And so, uh, you know, it just makes sense. Now, why don't other gym owners do it? I think they're afraid. I think they're afraid of what their members would do if they did it. But unfortunately, you, they're lying because you can't. It is impossible to offer consistency across the board from day to day to week to month to month month to, uh, year to year if you're not having a cap on each class it's impossible and so you say well we have two coaches okay so what are you going to do now you're going to have two coaches for 40 people that's ridiculous yeah. that's ridiculous like we don't we don't we're micro gyms we don't have that space or that amount of equipment to do that and then it becomes at that number it's a commercial gym like like that's what we were trying to stay away from in the first place and uh i struggle with that one because i wish more gyms did it but i don't think i, th I think they're just scared they're scared how do i implement it what are they going to think about us i'm going to they're scared of losing another member and i knew i would lose more members in the long run if i couldn't tie down the quality over time yeah, I mean, there's there's numerous aspects that, you know, uh, why you would need to put a cap on a class. You know, you name just the quality and the consistency, but safety is a big one. You know, if you got a new member in a class of 30, it's like, are you really going to be able to give your time to make sure they're moving safely? Probably not, you know. And then uh, another one's gym space, right? Yeah. You know, uh, imagine, you know, 30 people in our, our gym um, with, you know, cleaning jerks that day, right? It just uh, it just doesn't make sense in regards to equipment and, and space and uh, yeah now I don't understand why other gyms wouldn't um, provide a, a reservation system as well. It's the it's the elephant in the room to a lot of, of these gyms and it's unfortunate because um, you know sometimes this is a volumes game and sometimes it hurts to lose a member you know because you put so much time and energy into it and you're like man if I could have only provided more value how could I have done that and this is an easy way to nip a lot of those issues in the butt um, cool and the last one we said is having this balance between weightlifting gymnastics and monostructural it's how we uh, outside of accessory work which is a kind of hybrid of some of those sometimes is that's our core of how we look at movement and we know there's a there's a limitation to monostructural. It's one that we always struggle with. Monostructural is a singular motion back-to-back -back usually uh, for cardiovascular purposes. So running, jump roping, biking, ski or rowing. biking, rowing. Uh, so those things are usually monostructural. So we have five of those where we have maybe 20 to 30 gymnastic movements that we cycle through and 20 to 30 uh, weightlifting movements that we cycle through. So sometimes we got to get a little bit creative, but I think what we do really well is we have the tools of the toolbox. We have this list in our head uh, we know the movements are core movements and then the ones that are secondary to that and then our accessory movements yeah and all three components are super super beneficial you know you can't just have a um a, a week long of just monostructural movements or oh just weightlifting movements you know we gotta uh vary them vary them often uh switch them up and then you know uh have a good appropriate balance of all three yeah, I mean, and I think that's why, you know, we we have the consistency that we have across the board. Now, again, none of this tap nutrition. When we talk about health, it's about fitness, and we create fitness through our programming, but there's also the nutrition side, and that's something that, we're, you know, we've been adamant about lately, about getting them to look fit, right? Because we're getting them fit. Like, we're getting them to be able to Stronger, do more than they ever better have. times. But can we get them to look that way? You got to look like you work out. 100%. That's no, the bottom we, line why people step into the gym, right? Is to look better. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I agree 100%. No one said, hey, I just enjoy killing myself every day for to look worse and worse shape. No, that's not the goal. So anyways, bro, we gave out like 10 secrets, man. I don't know. No, we, we should even post this. I mean, it's clean, bro, but uh, nah, I think it's, it's very valuable for, for everybody. So thanks for listening. Please got any questions, comments, concerns, send them over. All right. See you. Preach.